is quite sure exactly why Captain C.J. Relia, pilot Samuel H. Smith, and engineer Zarek Pitcher decided to leave their first-class coastwise streamer on the night of May 12, 1862. Perhaps they went to celebrate some cheerful occasion. Perhaps they had family there in Charleston whom they wished to pay a visit. Or perhaps their reasons were too complex to be explained fully afterwards. One thing is absolutely clear. Leaving the ship meant they took a monumental risk. Captain Relia himself knew that to be caught away from the steamer would result in a court-martial. So, the question becomes, why did they take the risk? The answer, simple as it is, leads to one of the most incredible stories from the Civil War and after. Because Confederate Captain Relia, in charge of the CSS Planter, held absolute faith that his crew of eight slave men could be trusted. A trust that had been carefully, strategically cultivated for a moment just like that. It's incredible what a person can do with the right amount of will and determination. And the man who orchestrated the events of May 12th through the 13th, 1862, had both in spades. From the time of his youth until the day he died, he fostered a drive to do everything he could for the plight of slaves everywhere. A passion which fueled his plan to escape his confines and change the face of America forever. His name was Robert Smalls, and his story does not get told nearly as often as it should. His bravery and ingenuity helped untold numbers of people, both during and after the war. Never bend your head. Always hold it high. Look the world straight in the eye. Helen Keller. I'm Aiden Maine. Welcome to Haunting Historia. Robert Small started life in a shack outside a city house in Beaufort, South Carolina. His mother, Lydia, was a house slave who grew up working the fields. His father remains unknown to this day. The most likely candidate, given the trends of the time and his mulatto skin tone, was the owner of the estate, John McKee. Although, it must be noted that McKee's son, Henry, and the plantation manager, Patrick Smalls, are both just as likely. Robert, for his part, seemed to be something of a favorite to the McKee family. So much so, that when he was old enough, his mother requested that he be put to work in the fields, in order to teach him the gravity of his position as a slave. He witnessed firsthand the harsh treatment and whippings that the slaves of South Carolina were forced to endure. It was a lesson that young Robert took to heart. He learned it so well that it bred in him a spirit of defiance. He began to find himself in the Beaufort jail quite frequently, and his mother feared for the safety of her son. She asked that he be sent to Charleston and rented out.
By the age of 19, Robert worked in several different jobs, accruing skills and knowledge of Charleston unequaled by most. His range of positions varied from lamplighter to rigor to everything in between. He worked his way through nearly every position on a ship that a slave could hold, until, eventually, he became a virtual pilot, or wheelman. Essentially, Smalls was a helmsman, though slaves were not allowed to have the proper title. The vast range of positions and experience meant that there were few people who knew the harbor quite like the young slave. Around this time, two very important events occurred in the life of Robert Smalls. The first being that he met the woman who would become his wife, Hannah. A slave of the Kingman family, she worked in the Charleston Hotel, where Smalls also worked for a time. The two received permission from their respective owners to move into an apartment together after being married. The second and equally important event was that his expertise on the water caused him to be rented out to Captain Relia and the CSS Planter. Robert, knowing that his union with Hannah could be ripped away from them at any moment due to their enslavement, approached his wife's owner with a request to buy her freedom. The owner agreed, albeit he demanded a steep price for a slave earning only a dollar a week. He told Robert that he would sell Hannah for $800. At the time, the poor soul had only 100. He could work for decades to earn the rest of the money, and still not have a guarantee that it would be enough. And so, Robert Smalls thought to himself, if buying their freedom would not work, then the only option left is to escape to freedom. The Union blockaded the South, just outside the harbor. Robert held a position of trust on a ship, and he had a passable resemblance to the captain, save for the skin color. A plan began to shape. Once the white officers left the ship on the night of May 12th, Robert and his seven crewmen met to go over the plan. For some present, it was the first time hearing the full details, and they were understandably hesitant. Soon, very soon, they would be runaways. If the plan failed, they would be killed or heavily beaten. Everyone on board knew that this was a pass-fail situation of the highest risk. But despite everything standing in their way, these men and the women and children waiting to be retrieved knew that freedom was worth whatever risk they faced. Fearful was the venture, but it was made, a later Navy report would read.
At 2 a.m., Robert dressed himself up to look like a captain, complete with a straw hat to both hide his face and imitate the real Captain Relia. Then the eight slaves slipped the planter into the waters of Charleston Harbor. They stopped at a secondary location to pick up their families, and then they made the beeline for the Union blockade. Smalls, from his time serving aboard the ship, knew all the Confederate signals. He blew the ship's whistle while passing Forts Johnson and Sumter, providing the proper hailing to pass freely. The Navy report would claim he did so as coolly as if Brigadier General Roswell Ripley were on board. Robert Smalls knew just how to address the other ships in the harbor as well. More than simply knowing what to flash, however, he mimicked Raelia's mannerisms, holding his arms so convincingly that in the pre-dawn darkness, he could pass for white. By the time the Confederates wised up to the deception and raised the alarm, the planter had already passed out of cannon range. A rebel wrote attempting to defend how he let them through. She was supposed to be the guard boat and allowed to pass without interruption. Runaways rejoiced, singing and dancing aboard the ship. The Confederate flags were dropped and a white bedsheet raised to alert the Union that the ship approaching their blockade came in peace. It nearly didn't work. The sun had yet to rise and the crew on the USS Onward couldn't see the truce signal. Lieutenant J. Frederick Nichols ordered the ports to open and aim at the incoming vessel. But just as the guns trained on the fleeing slaves, light crested the horizon, illuminating the bedsheet for Nichols. A sailor cried out that he saw something white. The guns halted, and the officers inspected the planter closer. That was when they saw Smalls and his crew and family celebrating their escape. They were taken aboard the Union vessel and given their freedom. Robert Smalls couldn't hope to have bought himself and his wife from slavery, but he had found another way. At just 23 years old, he became a hero in the North. Robert and the rest of the crew received compensation for bringing to the Union such a valuable prize. Not only was the ship and its guns worthwhile to the Navy, but infinitely more precious were the Confederate codebook and maps of the mines, as well as Small's own knowledge of the harbor. Unfortunately, the payment for all of this amounted to only $1,500 for Small's, not nearly close to what he deserved for such intelligent and courageous feats. A view shared by the Confederates as they apparently placed a $4,000 bounty on his head. After being set free, Robert went on to personally lobby Secretary of War Edwin Stanton to allow blacks to enlist, something that President Lincoln would act on a few months later. According to some reports, Smalls is estimated to have recruited around 5,000 soldiers himself. As for his own service, 
Robert Smalls returned to the planter, where he served as its pilot. He assumed full control of the ship during the assault on Fort Sumter in 1863. The white captain is said to have become so demoralized by the hot fire they received that he hid in the coal bunker, forcing Robert to take over and lead the men to their ultimate victory. After serving in 17 military actions during the Civil War, Smalls stood on board the planter in Charleston Harbor for the April 1865 ceremony that ended the war. Robert Smalls was a man like no other. During one of the worst times of this country's history, he risked everything for the chance to be free. Then, he risked it all again to help put a stop to such a devastating war. His life after likewise follows in that same style of bravery and determination. Stick around after the break to hear about it. This episode of Haunting Historia was written and produced by me, Aidan May, with music by John Bjork. History is a vast expanse of stories, some of which get pushed to the side for one reason or another. That's why this podcast exists, to tell the stories that might otherwise not get told. Robert Smalls is just one in an ever-growing list of people, places, and events that somehow got left out for me. If you have a story that history class forgot, or if you would like to be a guest for an interview, get in touch via email, stories at hauntinghistoria.com, or through the contact form on hauntinghistoria.com. The American Civil War ends. Robert Smalls is discharged from the military. Slaves all across the country are freed. What now? For Smalls, it meant taking the $1,500 he'd received for turning over the CSS planter to the Union, as well as his pay for serving as a captain in the Navy, and returning to Beaufort, South Carolina, to purchase the very house behind which he was born. The following year, he enters into a partnership with Philadelphia businessman Richard Howell Gleaves, setting up a store dedicated to helping freed slaves. He is also instrumental in forming the Enterprise Railroad, an 18-mile horse-drawn railway with the purpose of transporting cargo and passengers from Charleston to depots located further inland. But Small's biggest achievement came in 1874, when he became one of the first black men elected to the House of Representatives. In fact, he served five non-consecutive terms as the Republican House Congressman from South Carolina from 1874 to 1886. He fought hard for black rights during the time, even in the face of rising figures like Jim Crow. Although many decisions were reversed, Smalls continued to speak out about the need for equality amongst all peoples of the United States, until he died on February 23, 1915, at the age of 75.
you enjoyed this episode of Haunting Historia, then I invite you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be notified every week when a new episode goes live. With each new episode, another story from the past gets told, and a little more light is shed on the dark places of history. These are the stories that stick with us. The ones that remind us of something that Robert Smalls knew extremely well, that we are all human. As he famously once said, my race needs no special defense for the past history of them and this country. It proves them to be equal of any people anywhere. All they need is an equal chance in the battle of life.